With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Could they, could they, is this the year to go all in and trade 
you, know, you spend so much time working on that really good farm system, you know, as long as they don't trade some of their big name, high profile guys, I'm okay with them. Make, like they've made a little bit of moves to in, in, increase their bullpen. That's been really good. I like them getting Adam Duvall. He's a really good defensive player. Plus he can hit bombs. So I like that, but they really haven't given up a ton for that. As long as they keep doing these small deals, I think it's good. I just want them to not lose focus that this team is probably going to be most competitive in next year, 2020, 2021. Like we're building something more for the future in the same way that the Astros did. Do you remember that when the Astros, they, they were building and then they had that one year where they, they, they overachieved and they like, they almost like got there too early, but they didn't panic and, sell off their pieces. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah, um, And then they just developed what what they had and ended up being champion. So I, yeah, I totally get, I totally hear what you're saying there. And, and that's probably the best way to do it is, is to not get so greedy and, but believe in what you have and let them develop into the champions that they very well possibly could be. Yeah. And you know, Hey, it's all about a journey, you know, it's, it's, and that, Hey, it's similar, very similar to the way we are approaching our dynasty leagues, right? I mean, we're taking a look and right now, everybody thinks they have a shot. Everybody's, everybody, you know, everybody's optimistic. They're trying to do their best. I've got my rosters and I'm trying to make some moves and do some different things. I made a trade yesterday that I'm going to run by you a little later and see what you think about it. It was a pretty big deal, but, um, but yeah, you're looking at your team. You're not, you're trying not to give up too much for the future, but you want to, if you have a team that has a chance to win, you want to push some chips in knowing your team, knowing where you stand. That's a big part of dynasty football. And, and we got a lot to talk about. And speaking of that, speaking of the journey, it really has stepped up since the last time we talked, a lot of training camps are going on now. Uh, everybody's in training camp going on now. And, we're two days away from actual football on my actual TV. Can you believe it? Yeah. It, you know, it always comes quicker than, than we expect. It's, it's, it's like Christmas. It's like, it's way out there. And then all of a sudden it's, it's two weeks away and you haven't bought a Christmas gift yet. So it, <laughs> it, you know, it's always unexpected, but it's always welcoming. Yeah. And it's basically from now until, uh, early February until we have a week without any football. So really cool. I'm very exciting time. The whole season's ahead of us. I feel like we're going to blink and the regular season's going to be here. We're going to be, you know, kicking you guys through the whole thing and talking about any big news that comes up. And I want to toss it over to you. I know there's been a lot in the last couple of weeks, a lot of news items, um, some moving parts. Uh, what are some things, and I'm I, I'm prepared to throw a couple things out there if you need a minute because I, I, we haven't prepped on this, but uh, what, has, has there been anything that's jumped out to you in the last couple of weeks that's been especially noteworthy? Um, sort of, I guess, TMZ-ish, and I, I haven't been able to read the report yet. Maybe you heard something about it, but there's something going on with Le'Veon Bell and a strip show or something that effect. Oh, no, I don't know anything about that. That's news to me right there. I, I, yeah, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, let's, let's see. Um, I'll, I'll look it up real quick and see. Yeah, it just came across my timeline not too long ago that him and some kind of strip show action or 
Um, while I do that, why don't you throw some curveballs at me and see if I can pick them up? Yeah, well, so I think there's been a couple of interesting things to me. I think Andrew Luck ramping up what he's been able to do. We've talked about him a lot over the course of our, all of our shows. Him being able to ramp up and do basically everything on the field at this point. It seems like the there's been nothing but just glowing reports. He looks like his old self. He's hitting T.Y. Hilton at ease right now. He's also, surprisingly to me, hitting Eric Ebron a lot and that's somebody that we should talk a little bit about as well if if Andrew Luck's going to be manning the ship there and he really is going to be a a quarterback that suits up for them 16 games this season there are a lot of weapons on that team that are being undervalued right now and while Eric Ebron has risen up a lot of lists he's one of those guys that I'm starting to wonder if I should be targeting at the end of my drafts because he's obviously always had the talent. He was drafted, I guess, famously ahead of Odell Beckham. I guess he's always got to live with that for his career. But the talent's always been there. Detroit wasn't a good fit for him. They moved on in the offseason, signs there in Indianapolis. And I thought, well, he'll be behind Jack Doyle. But after T.Y. Hilton, Ryan Grant, Fountain, those were maybe the best wide receivers on the team after him. So yeah, there might yeah, be a totally. real opportunity for Eric Ebron, and there might be a lot of a lot of targets to go around for him. So, what do you think about that? That's one of the things that I, that I, he's been moving up my my board a little bit. What do you think about Ebron? I, I, I they're going to definitely run a two tight end set, so they're right away you have some value in that. And not only as you were like saying, um, Darius Fountain seems to be someone that has a hot name. Deion Kane is also starting to, to like some lights as well. Uh, he, I think he's out of Miami, and he, you know, he was a very late draft choice. I think in the sixth or seventh round, even even if he may have even been a undrafted free agent. But anyway, he's he's doing really well. Uh, and then they have Ryan Grant. But you know, yeah, okay, so you have opportunity there, but how stable are these guys? And Washington didn't find Ryan Grant too stable and you have two other rookies. So with that said, you have an option with someone like Eric Ebron, who shown that he has some good hands, even though he didn't make the most out of the opportunity in Detroit, doesn't mean that going to another team isn't going to open up that door for him. And I just, I, I don't know how much of a door that's going to be. I think, I think definitely he's going to have some opportunity. He's going to uh, my my projection is maybe 35, 40 receptions, probably around 500 yards and three or four touchdowns. So is it going to be a lot of production? I just don't see it, just because I think a lot of that, the majority of that's going to go to Jack Doyle. But if something should happen to Jack Doyle, then you really have something going for yourself. Not only this season, but you know, if it's an ACL tear or, or whatever, then you, you definitely have something for the long term as well. 100% agree. What about would you rather have Eric Ebron or George Kittle? That's a tough question. Um, if, if, if Andrew Luck is healthy, I think I'm going to have to go with Eric Ebron at this time just because I know what I'm getting more than I know what I'm getting with George Kittle. They're both kind of the same 
it's the same situation. Plus, you have Andrew Luck, and we really don't know much about Jimmy Garoppolo other than the five or six games that he played. Uh, I think it might have been a little bit more, but it's still a short sample size, and we know what Andrew Luck can do on the field. So I, I trust that system a lot more than I would trust the 49ers right now. Yeah, the 49ers team is really interesting. You know, I was watching a couple of things um, being reported from their camp, and apparently Marquise Goodwin is having a really good camp. But I saw some some highlights of him beating Richard Sherman. And, yes, Marquise Goodwin is really fast. So maybe it's not a fair comparison. I could not help but notice in all those gifts where he was beating Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman looked very slow. Now, I don't know if that's just in comparison to Goodwin, who was kind of famously a, like, world-class track athlete. So maybe there's something to that. But Richard Sherman looked like just something to watch. If he is if, – if he's lost as much of a step as it looks like he has, that might be, that might be a defense to target for your wide receivers, a matchup that you want. And that, that could actually help the offense for the 49ers as well because they could end up in a lot of shootouts. So – Anyway, just something interesting that jumped out to me, and uh, as far as that, and did you find anything on Love Bell or? Yeah, it's not as it's not as uh, I guess the juicy of a story, but basically, he's you know how he's not in training camp and he's supposed to be training and doing all these great things. I guess he went to the strip strip club, which is totally up in you know his right and. Got a little frisky with some of the dancers. Not, He didn't get arrested or anything, or at least it doesn't say that he got arrested. And it just seems, this story just seems more like a, just a total TMZ kind of thing, where gotcha. just to put it in, in perspective, it, said, it says, the party didn't stop there. Bell bounced to a strip club afterward. He got pretty hands-on with some booty while his girlfriend, Marlicia, watched. <laughs> So basically just some trash story, nothing really anything to be concerned about as far as fantasy leagues or anything like that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to move him up or down my board on that. What about you? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, depends on, it depends on how he grabbed it. You know, if, if, you know, those hands are important in his PPR league. So, you know, if, if he does, if he looks like he has strong hands, and definitely, you know, I think I might move him from two to one. But other than that, not going to pay attention. My question is judgment a little bit doing it in front of his girlfriend, though. So maybe, you know. Yeah. Uh, decision yeah, making the might knock down a little bit. but Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might pick the wrong hole to go through. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, <laughs> I – um. So a couple of weeks ago, we had talked about going through a lot of these teams, going through their depth chart, talking about their pass catchers. I thought maybe we could even talk about their wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, you want to try and go through that, start talking through some of these teams and their wide receivers or tight ends? Those are really the only positions we haven't fully covered. And, um, and also kind of be able to give a little bit of a rundown on the teams themselves. Um, might be a good way to start – also thinking about what you're going to watch for during the preseason, just the different things you're going to be trying to, um, as these backups, some of these guys that 
aren't necessarily on our radar right now. Guys you're watching to see, are they going to make an impact? Uh, guys coming back from injury. You want to kind of go through and just we'll give an idea of what we're watching for? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, definitely, yeah, wide receivers and tight ends, unless you want to do dynasty kickers. Um, I, I think that, that, uh, that we should cover that. Just ban all kickers. That's my official stance right there. Just <laughs> do not even – have kickers on your dynasty league. Yeah, I say that, and, and I think the one league that I commissioned, we actually have kickers. So I haven't even taken my own advice on that. So whatever. <laughs> it's kind of um, hard not to, though. Yeah, I guess, you know, whatever. So, all right. So then let's start right there where we were. Let's start with the 49ers. And uh, we, we talked there. I, I actually am really high on Marquise Goodwin. We've talked about him a little bit a few weeks back. Uh, we we have not talked about the rest of our pass catchers, though. Pierre Garçon coming back from injury, obviously a guy going later in your draft. Uh, and a really interesting guy to me, Trent Taylor, spending a lot of time working out of the slot with them. He might be an interesting deep dynasty stash target for you right there. Um, not really interested in the other guys on this list, David Pettis, Kendrick Bourne. Uh, as far as the wide receiver group, uh, is there anybody that you are really interested in or anybody that you um, are watching this preseason? You know, I'm kind of intrigued by Pettis due to the certain reasons. One, I really, when I watched him, I didn't really find a whole lot special about him outside his speed. He has some good route running skills. The hands are, are average, maybe a little bit above, but uh, Matt Waldman is really high on him. So, that that kind of just uh, perked my interest because I really didn't have much much value on him at all, especially going to be buried behind maybe Trent Taylor and those kind of things. So um, I would definitely put a late flyer maybe in uh, in on him and maybe throw a dart if if you're looking at a wide receiver at the end of your draft and you want a rookie wide receiver. Uh, Pettis, you know he he definitely comes from. Um, from DNA that uh, I don't know if you remember, Cal, I can't remember the name of his uh, father, the first name, but I think it was Gary Pettis who uh, played, I think for the Braves actually. Um, And uh, that's his son is, is Pettis. So uh, he definitely has some DNA with him as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, and I'm looking here at Pierre Garçon. I just taken a closer look at him. Um, you know, obviously, I remember I was a big fan of his with the Colts, and he got a chance yep. to go to the Redskins and make some noise. But he's a 31-year-old receiver now. Managed 40 receptions, 500 yards last year, no touchdowns. I don't think he got a chance to play very much with Jimmy Garoppolo, though. So, no. you know, could there be something left in the tank for Pierre Garçon? Sure, but I don't think I am willing to take much of a chance on that. Are you? I'm not in a long-term case. I think he's definitely at the end of the road. He's had he's a basically a walking medical chart. So uh, just been through the ringer, and as you mentioned, his age is getting up there. So maybe he has two more years that can be beneficial to your team. But other than that, outside of that, I really wouldn't be looking long-term with this guy. Uh, so and. In a win now situation, yes, 
Long term, nah, I, I just pass on him. A guy that managed uh, 43 catches, 515 yards, two touchdowns in, a, in his rookie season last year, the tight end George Kittle for the 49ers. Uh, in a position that's actually been pretty hard to make an impact as a rookie, he actually did okay. He averaged 12 yards per yeah. catch last year. Really not bad. I mean, he added some excitement. Late in the year, seemed like he had a pretty good connection with um, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Had four, five, six targets in a couple of those games with him. Um, he's a guy that I'm really intrigued by. I'm hoping I'm hoping to see a lot of a lot of improvement this year. I with Marquise Goodman on the outside with some, with, you know, some questionable running backs. I like McKinnon, but I don't expect him to get 300 carries out of the backfield. I think there's going to be a lot of targets to go around. I think George Kittle could certainly get his fair share. The the only thing that worries me about Kittle is, and I think Garoppolo is going to use Kittle, but you also have Brent Salek there that also, uh, took away some opportunities away from Kittle. So if the tight end position is a security blanket for Garoppolo, is it going to be Kittle or is it going to be Selleck? And I, I definitely uh, watch some training camp and see maybe where Garoppolo prefers to go to and just use judgment and, and decide on either going with whoever he's going with or – deciding just to pass on both of them. But George Kittle definitely has more of the of the name and probably going to be the guy that Garoppolo is going to gravitate towards. I'm expecting a lot of really good things from the 49ers offense this year. I, I They're ones I'm really looking forward to. Um, the next team is another team that people have a lot of high expectations for. I think the last time we talked, I think you've got some pretty high expectations for them as well. That's the Chicago Bears. A lot of changes with their coaching staff. Obviously, when you go from John Fox to almost anybody, it's an upgrade. Certainly, you know, yeah, the Bears right. brought in a really good a really good coaching staff. A lot of high expectations. A lot of things hang in the balance and really rest on the shoulders of Mitch Trubisky in his second year. Brand-new group of wide receivers, though. Allen Robinson coming back. Obviously, he was a, a favorite of so many people when he was with Jacksonville, overcoming Blake Bortles over there not really getting a chance to play last year when things got a little bit more on track for Jacksonville. Um, big buzz in Anthony Miller, a lot of making a lot of noise in training camp. Tyler Gabriel or Taylor Gabriel, excuse me, coming from Atlanta, the uh, enigmatic Kevin White still sitting there fourth in the depth chart right now. And then Benny Fowler coming over from Denver with some knowledge of that system. Uh, we'll get to Trey Burton here in just a second. But of that wide receiver group, a lot of interesting names, a lot of talent. What do you think about those wide receivers, and and um, how are you valuing them on draft day? Well, I think, number one, you have to put Allen Robinson as your top guy. Uh, but like you mentioned, a lot of this is just revolves around what Mitch Trubisky uh, does with the football. If if he's not if he's not the player that the Bears drafted and traded to move up one slot uh, to pick, then it's not going to matter who's who's really out there. So let's just say Mitch Trubisky does an average to above average job. 
I definitely would want Allen Robinson. Uh, he's shown that he can he can play with almost any quarterback. He he made Blake Bortles look good. He made uh, I can't remember who he played with in college that was uh, just a disaster of a quarterback. Made him look good. So I don't have any I don't have any qualms to, to, to think that Allen Robinson can't develop Mitchell Trubisky's game as well. Outside of that, Kevin White is definitely someone that if you're feeling risky and you think he might be healthy for the first time in his NFL career, okay. He definitely has some skills. Uh, And then you have also um, uh, with the rookie, um, you mentioned his name, but you can't think of it right now, Anthony Miller. I, I like Anthony Miller an awful lot. I think he's going to surpass Kevin White in, as the number two receiver, which if we're looking at Trubisky doing a good job, then you're going to have most of the coverage going to Allen Robinson's side, leaving Miller pretty much free reign to do whatever he needs to do. So I like that a, a lot. The only problem on top of all that <laughs> is that the Bears are probably going to run the ball a lot more than they're going to pass. So – you're looking at a running team, which means that there's going to be very few options for Anthony Miller, and a lot of that, more of that, is going to go to Allen Robinson from now and into the future because Trubisky is supposed to be that future. He, he's just not a, a one of those quarterbacks that you're going to want to throw the ball 40 times a game. It's not a passing offense. This is a this is a rushing offense. So, you know, it, it, I think you have room for one receiver take a chance in case Allen Robinson goes down or whatever and get Miller and then just watch them run the ball, I guess. Yeah. Robinson going 19th off the board right now in terms of wide receivers and Anthony Miller going 61st. So obviously late, certainly in dynasty leagues, I think in dynasty leagues and in, if you've got a rookie draft, you've got to start thinking about Anthony Miller in a, in a rookie draft back into that first round in a draft with only rookies rookies in it back into that first round, maybe first part of the second round. He's of all the wide receivers out there. I mean, he's a guy that could make a year one impact if everything goes right. Now part of everything going right would probably take away from some of these other targets as well. And one of the intriguing targets, obviously a running back that we talked about in Tariq Cohen, but they also go in the off season and they sign Trey Burton. Burton's getting a lot of attention too. He's getting a lot of a lot of buzz. Um, obviously, he threw a touchdown pass in uh, that was in the Super Bowl, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trey Burton never really given given a chance to be a starting. He's going to get a chance to start here though for for the Chicago Bears. Do you think Trey Burton is the kind of guy who's going to live up to the buzz that he's getting right now, or do you think? Or do you think this is a little bit of fool's gold? I he would have to be someone that I would I would get if the price is is right. I'm not going to take a risk on him. And the farther he drops, the more secure I'm going to be about drafting him. Don't forget that they also have Adam Sheehan, who they drafted last year as a rookie. So he's yep. he's going to play a part, I would imagine, somewhere down the line or this year or what. And we just don't know what that is. So. Uh, are they going to run two tight end sets even? You know, that's what they did in Philadelphia with him. And 
of course, with Zach Ertz, you know, the, the coverage is going to go towards Zach Ertz, and they're going to leave Burton to do whatever he needs to do. So he's going. His stats are going to look a lot better than probably what they were. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's he, he's definitely going to have to be the Price is Right kind of kind of guy before I pull the trigger. Now, with that said, I don't mind pulling the trigger on Trey Burton because he does have good skills. He can catch the ball. He can you know run with the ball, which you know are I would say good qualities that you might want to have in someone as a receiver. So. Um, <laughs> Those those kind of things are are important, and so we'll see what happens. He's definitely it's definitely going to be interesting to see where the tight end develops with the Bears' offense. Yeah, Burton going tenth off the board right now in terms of tight ends, um, right around right around George Kittle, Jordan Reed, Jack Doyle, David Njoku. So he's around he's around a very interesting group, but. Um, yeah, really going to be really interesting to see how he acclimates to that offense. And he really could as a, as a tight end, you know, it's a cliche, but as a, as a blanket for the quarterback, a, a safety blanket, you know, you can certainly see him making some, making some noise. And if he can be effective in the red zone, he might be, he might could be their best red zone target on that team. So mm-hmm. outside of, I think Jordan Howard could actually do pretty well rushing the ball. He might be a little underrated right now, but um, yeah, so that's the Chicago Bears. You mentioned Shaheen. I actually really, I, I like him too. I think he's a, if you're in a really deep dynasty league, uh, I, I'd like to add him to the end of my roster and just see, see if something happens there because maybe Burton doesn't work out and, and Shaheen gets a chance and he's, he's, he's pretty good in, in my opinion. So I like that call. Yeah. Good, 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 no, good job. Uh, so, those tight ends okay. um, that you mentioned, the tight end, that tight end grouping that you mentioned, that uh, Trey Burton is going with. Who of those guys? Which one? In order, how would you how would you put them? Man, you know it's really interesting. Jordan Reed is talking about how healthy he is and it, going off the board at ninth. I mean that risk is really built in there. He's the kind of he could be one of those top three top certainly top three, maybe top four tight ends. So I think he's got a lot of upside, but the other guys are really interesting. Like I, I really do like George Kittle. I think he's got a chance to make a lot of noise in the second year. I think Jack Doyle is being a little bit overvalued because I do think Ingram could make a, a big difference, uh, put a big dent in the kind of targets that he gets. But I like Trey Burton going there. I think he's got, I think it's very similar to some of those guys, I'd probably take him over in Joku at this point, just because there's so much unknown about that Browns offense. But yeah, I don't think I don't think I could take Burton over a Jordan Reed. I don't think I could take him over Kittle, but I'm comfortable taking him over Doyle and Joku. And in fact, you know, we're going to move to the Bengals next, but Tyler Eifert's right there too. Uh, I think I'd take him over Eifert just because I think that there's maybe a little bit more safety there. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, especially so, with Eifert and back problems. Yeah, so that's – Bengals are, are uh, next on the list here, and Tyler Eifert has been cleared. He says he feels really healthy. I was listening – you brought up Matt Waldman. I was listening to Matt Waldman and Cecil Lammy talk about Tyler Eifert, and they were saying, like, has there has there ever been someone that, like, oh, they – they used to have a back injury. Like, 
no. Like once you have a back injury, like you just have an injured back and that's just, you just have that forever. You don't used to have an injured back. So Tyler Reifert is, is so interesting to me because I've always loved his talent. I think he's one of the, I think when he was right, he was really exciting at the tight end position and I had him everywhere, but hard to trust him right now. Uh, behind him, you got Tyler Croft, CJ Uzoma, Uzuma, yeah, Uzoma, yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so nothing immensely interesting there. I think Tyler Croft showed us last year that he's just a, you know, back end. You know, he's not not somebody you necessarily need to spend too much time worrying about um, in Dynasty. So. Not a ton to see there unless you have anything else that you want to add on Eifert and we can move over to the wide receivers. Actually, I'm, I'm a, a sort of a big fan of Tyler Croft, uh, especially in Dynasty. Yeah, I, I think that he uh, – I, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I actually picked him up in our league as uh, soon as Eifert went down, and he did reasonably well for me. Uh, he uh, – He's play, he plays on an offense where they like to go to the tight end, obviously, and he he did well. I mean, he's he's not, of course, the tie, the talent that, that Eifert is, but if you want a stable tight end and you don't believe that Eifert is going to last through the season and you sort of want someone for the duration and someone that can actually maybe assert that position, I think Croft is someone that you definitely want to take a look at at the end of your draft if you're targeting tight ends. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's uh, it's a good take on Croft. I mean, I definitely think that he, I think he could have a lot of opportunity. He's only 25. He's so, you know, I think sometimes we forget how young some of these guys are and that they can, they're still developing a little bit. And, um, you know, especially guy like Croft getting his first opportunity last year. We just talked about how difficult it can be at times to learn that position, step in and produce right away. So, you know, for a guy that had 42 catches, 404 yards, um, one of the main reasons why he did so well was he had seven touchdowns. If he can come yeah. close to repeating to repeating that number, then yeah, of course he's really good. But you know, those things are so so tough to um, so t- tough to figure out. You know, touchdowns yeah. don't necessarily translate year to year. But yeah, touchdowns are the most difficult uh, aspects of of deciding on what what the player is going to do because. So many times a player will catch two touchdowns and then break out for 10 the following year or vice versa. So, yeah, you'd have, especially on a player that we don't really know much about in Tyler Croft, he could catch 12 touchdowns this year, or he may catch one. You know, we just really just right. don't know. Right. The wide receiver group, if he does catch 12 touchdowns, that's going to be a pretty big hit for uh, for this group. Uh, and obviously headlining it, A.J. Green, we've talked about him a pretty good bit on a show a few weeks back. Uh, behind him, man, it's rough. Brandon LaFell, John Ross, is there anything there possibly? Top 10 pick last year. John Ross, can he get on the field and can he start to make some noise? Tyler Boyd, Josh Malone, anything else to see here but behind A.J. Green, and what are your thoughts on John Ross? You, you, you can't dismiss John Ross, especially if you're in distance leagues. Uh, Second-year player has good straight-line speed. Obviously, he shattered the 
the record in the combine in the 40. Um, but can he stay healthy? And that's sort of the major situation for him is he's never been healthy. And, you know, just someone that, that you can't trust to, to be healthy at all. But he has so much explosive talent. So I think, again, with the price is right, you definitely need to go with John Ross just because the, you know, the point, the price point is there and available. But outside of that, no, there's really not much outside of A.J. Green. He's the kind of guy in a dynasty startup you could just get super late. You could just throw a, throw a, you know, 15, 16, 17 round pick on probably. And yeah. certainly worth worth the risk in that kind of scenario. And I actually traded for John Ross in a dynasty league that I'm in where I gave up Jonu Smith. Back oh, up nice. tight in there in Tennessee. Yeah. So both kind of wild card um, upside. I've actually got a pro- couple of pretty good tight ends in front of Jonu Smith in that league. So, um, I was I was okay taking the chance and saying, hey, I'll take I'll I'll take a chance on John Ross and let's see what happens. So so uh, you want to you want to hear what's going on? We'll take a break here for just a second, and you want to hear what's going on in the the trade deadline? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the Phillies got Wilson Ramos. Looks like okay. The uh, he's injured, but uh, I guess the Phillies need need a catcher. So there you go. Uh, the Dodgers. Got Brian Dozier. Are they really close to getting Brian Dozier? Wow. That's interesting. I know you love the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Archer traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Kevin Gosman nearing a deal with the or nearing a deal to go to the Braves. So all right, there you go. There's your major league baseball trade deadline update for now. What do you what do you think of that for the Braves? So I am I am torn on that because while Kevin Gosman, if I just look at what he is today, I think, gosh, why would they add a guy like Kevin Gosman who's been garbage? But then bad job with their pitching staff. That you take a guy like, for instance, Garrett Cole last year, who goes from, from the Pirates over to the Astros. They use him differently, different pitch mix, tell him to throw certain pitches more, certain pitches less, and he's dominant. So pitching coaches and all that really does matter. And I mentioned Anibal Sanchez earlier. The Braves have actually helped him be, like, not a terrible starting pitcher. Like, they're actually getting some decent quality starts out of him right now. Add in the fact that Kevin Gosman is a former LSU baseball player, and I'm right here in Louisiana, like LSU. So add that in, and I kind of like it. You know, hometown guy goes to my favorite baseball team. They got a chance to possibly take his talent and turn it into something good. I don't, I don't know. I kind of, I, I could, I could get behind that deal. I kind of like it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So there you go baseball update so <laughs> all right moving on let's go to oh man here we go really exciting team we should be able to fly through this pretty easily buffalo bills <laughs> insert the womp womp soundtrack <laughs> <into> here <laughs> so buffalo bills i guess really the 
The only really interesting person to talk about, I guess, is Kelvin Benjamin and Charles Clay. Behind them, is there anybody that you even want to touch on? Zay Jones, Jeremy Curley, Andre Holmes, Rod Streeter, Nick O'Leary, Logan Thomas, Kerry Lee, Keith Tobridge. Do you have any interest in any of those pass catchers? The only one that I have somewhat of an interest it would be Zay Jones just because he really came out of college catching the ball like no other. I mean, he had such a high catch rate and then comes in, plays Buffalo and can't catch anything. Just drops balls all over the place and then loses his mind. Uh, what was it in February? Uh, you know, do you know about that story? Yeah. In fact, we talked about it uh, right after it happened. Oh, do we? Um, yeah. Yep. So, so uh, yeah. he lost I hope his he Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I just outside of football, I hope he's healthy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, obviously the talent is there for Zay Jones to be sort of a second receiver, and it's just way too early to just say, okay, this guy's done. You know, he, he's, he can't play. So, I do have somewhat of an interest in Zay Jones to see if he can pull it together. Uh, and then you have, you know, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, who is Kelvin Benjamin. He's not really – he's not going to do anything more than what he's done in his last whatever it's been, five years, four years that he's been in the league. So, yeah, it's not an exciting group whatsoever. Uh only thing I'm going to add on the Bills is just that um, it was noted that Josh Allen looks like the best quarterback in camp. <laughs> and I saw someone note on Twitter that this is what can happen when Nate Pierman and A.J. McCarron are your only competition. <laughs> right. So Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was exactly my That's... first thought was they got A.J. McCarron and, and Nathan Peterman there. It's not like it's a, it's a competitive group. Yeah, so, all right, moving on to the Broncos, who they themselves have a new quarterback as well, in Case Keenum. I certainly expect him to be their day one starter. And they got a couple of just tried and true, been there a long time, and really, despite there being some talent behind them, I don't expect these guys outside of injury to lose playing time. But Tamaris Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, I think the future is Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, but I don't think that – future is now. I think Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders probably get full run. I heard they were moving Demarius Thomas kind of all around all around the formation and, and all that to try and get him some more looks. So they may be able to get some of these young guys on the field. I'd certainly expect them to get more production out of their third, um, third and fourth receivers than they ever have. I don't expect a change in the guard yet. Do you see it the same way or do you expect something different? No, Thomas, Thomas and Sanders are your one and two uh, for right now, at least for another couple of years. I, I, I'm not sure on the contracts of each each one, um, but I believe that they are locked in for at least a couple more years. So there's not going to be a change of guard whatsoever in that situation. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you just go with the norm couple of interesting tight end. The tight end position certainly is not settled, but Jeff Harriman, Harriman, I've never quite known how to say his last name, 
Um, not as cool a last name as Jake Butt, of course. No. But then <laughs> Austin Trailer, Troy Fumajali. Uh, you know, certainly, I, yeah, I've heard some interesting things about some of those guys. But uh, who do you think is going to be the the top tight end for these Broncos? So what they're talking about is Jake Butt will be inline tight end, and Troy Fumagalli is going to be sort of the uh, option option tight end, which is kind of surprising to me. I mean, I know Butt has some good defensive skills. He's not the best blocker that you want. It's not like you can trust him just to stay in line and, and take care of the linebacker and just always trust him. But he does have some good blocking skills. Uh, I, I don't know much about Fumagalli's blocking skills. So obviously they trust Jake Butt more than they do him. And I'm kind of disappointed because I'm looking, I thought Jake Butt would be more, of the receiving tight end. He shows some definitely skills that I like to see in my tight end, very athletic. Uh, he, he's up there with like Eifert kind of skills or, or Gronkowski kind of skills. And he's not, he's, he's limited. So he's not as, as skilled as they are, but he's definitely, uh, if, if you're going to talk about a, a tight end that's up and coming, he's definitely one of those guys that you say, Oh, okay, this guy can do some stuff. But now that's going to change because he's going to be in line, which means he's going to stay next to the offensive tackle and block and not go out as much as Fumagalli is going to be. So I am disappointed in that. And we shall see. You know, obviously all this could be just coach speak, and they're going to put butt in all the option routes and going to run him and make it, make use of his skills. Just don't know yet, but – uh, coming off the injury that he did, they they sort of redshirted him. He could have came back around week ten last year after coming off that ACL injury uh, during the it was one of the bowl games uh, two years ago with Michigan, and but he could have came back in week ten. They're just like, nah, just shut it down for the year and we'll we'll use you. So we really just don't know what they're going to do with him. But I like his potential an awful lot. Yeah, I like that. That's definitely something to watch and see to see where he's lining up when you're watching the Denver Broncos preseason games. Uh, here's a really interesting one. going to take some, some time to talk through these guys. But the Cleveland Browns. Now, at this point, heard glowing things about Baker Mayfield. People saying he's the most accurate quarterback they've seen. That seems kind of hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, but um, that certainly sounds like a lot of hyperbole. People just excited to see football again. But – it's certainly, if nothing else, it's telling you that he is showing a lot of high accuracy. I mean, that's the kind of quarterback that, you know, I, I can see that out of him. Um, but everything Hugh Jackson's saying right now is that Tyrod Taylor is their guy, and they plan on on keeping him as their starting quarterback at least at least for the time being. So they're talking about it going into the regular season with him. So I guess I kind of have to take them at their word. Um. If he's the quarterback, we've said this for a long time, that that's the best thing for Josh Gordon. And then, all of a sudden, what happened with Josh Gordon? We don't really know. There's not a lot of information out there. We know that he's taking time away from the team. There are rumors that he just didn't want anything to do with hard knocks, and he's trying to stay away from them. But we do know he's not with the team right now. Everybody is still saying he's not suspended. But reports came out that he was that the Browns were in communication with Des Bryant, 
potentially bring him in to camp. So let's talk a little bit before we get into any of the other pass catchers. Where do you stand on Josh Gordon right now? Is this something, obviously with his history, that we need to be very worried about? Do you think this is something that is just going to be a little blip? He's making sure he's healthy, and this is ultimately going to be the best thing for them. That maybe maybe they're just taking his mental health seriously, and that's a good thing. Or are you kind of freaking out a little bit? And if you've got him on one of your teams, are you trying to sell? Are you holding him? Or if you don't have him, are you trying to buy? I'm I'm not a big. Gordon fan, regardless of this situation, I, I think he had a solid year. What was it? Four years ago. Um, and he definitely has some top notch skills for a receiver. But that said, I just, I'm just never really been a big fan of his. So I, I if you are a fan of his and you think he's going to do well, I, I'm not too worried about him entering this situation. I think he's doing it for protective measures. I really think that he's changed, crossed fingers, and um, but I, that's just the vibe I get. I think he's just like, you know what, if I go into this situation and I'm dealing with this and that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to turn turn to you know, alcohol or whatever, you know, his, his personal drug choice is. And he doesn't want to see himself do that. Or he could just want to just miss training camp altogether and just like, you know, I don't want to mess with it. And so I'm just going to enter in rehab and, and just, you know, protect myself. I don't know, but I don't think it's a drug problem at all. I think he's just avoiding the situation that's presented. So, um, it's up to you. It's up to you whether you want to buy or sell him um, based on your liking. But if it was me, I, w- I would sell, but not sell on the basis of the fact of what he's doing during training camp. I would sell because I just don't see the value in in what people, other people see him as. Um, and I'm also, also curious on, on your, your opinion, Cal. What, what do you think? Man, I – I agree mostly. I think with what you're saying, I probably am a little bit more optimistic. The biggest negative to me is not only just the fact that he is um, – he – even if best-case scenario right now is that Josh Gordon is healthy, he's fine, and he just doesn't want to deal with hard knocks. Like, he doesn't want himself to be – the main story, he feels like that could be a gateway into getting back into drugs somehow. And that's fine. Like he, maybe he's got his trigger points and, and he's figured that out. But I think even in that case, is this a person who is, if that is where his headspace is, is that a person who is in the right mental capacity to be able to do well in the NFL? And that's not to take anything away from, somebody struggling with that like those are real struggles and 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 all of that but is that the right kind of it is he going to be able to take you really can't in the nfl you those guys have to be able to have a have their child and be back in practice the next day you know the way those are not well-balanced human beings those are not guys that you look at and you say I want to build my life around living the way they do. <laughs> At least I don't. <laughs> they're not well-balanced people. They're, they're all a little bit, you know, a little, little psychotic. So 
is he able to do that? Is he able to be that guy? Is Are the reps that he's missing out in training camp? You mentioned it. It's not like he's got he's, – it's not like it's Julio Jones where he's been a staple in the same offense there for a little while. This – it raises some red flags for me. I'm pulling for him really bad. Like, that's part of why I, I hesitate because I want him to do really well. But it does make – it does make me nervous, I'll just say, about his his ability to hang mentally in the game and emotionally in the game. And I would much rather see him just be a healthy human being than be a productive wide receiver, if yeah. that makes sense. I know it's a fantasy football show. Totally. Maybe we don't think that. But that's just my – that's my thought. So, No, I, I, th- um, I think that a lot of people, at least, at least I would hope, the, all the, the people that are listening are in the same lines because it, it's not about – the game when you're talking about serious topics like this, it's about the human being. So I totally follow you. I totally support that. Yep. So after Josh Gordon, you know, we get into Jarvis Landry. Now I don't think the fit with Tyrod Taylor is quite as good for Jarvis Landry. Um, Although, you know, there are people with optimism that Tyrod Taylor, because he has, because of the offense he was in previously and now with the, working with Hugh Jackson, that he actually may become a guy who can throw a little bit more over the middle. I guess time will tell on something like that. But you got Jarvis Landry there. You've got Corey Coleman, who's shown some promising things. He's had some health issues, and there are certainly reasons to be skeptical, but also reasons to be optimistic. And, of course, Rashad Higgins. And then there's Antonio Callaway there as well. If Josh Gordon were to miss time, what are your expectations for the rest of this group if if he's not on the field? <laughs> None of them actually have done anything. They've all had their opportunity, maybe not a, a long opportunity, but they've definitely had games, a set of games where they sh- could showcase their skills, and none of them have done anything. So it's kind of hard to say, okay, well, I'll – you know, here's Gordon's out. Now it's your turn. Let's see what you can do. And as uh, far as I can consider it, I don't think any of them can do much of anything other than play the game of football, especially when you're throwing in Tyrod Taylor in the mix, who, you know, is someone that he can take care of the ball. He's not going to turn over the ball, but he's not very accurate with it. So it's a pretty bad mix when you have a below average average to a below player and Tyrod Taylor. So none of those guys may make me interested in, in drafting any of them. Yeah. I still want to believe on Landry and I, and I, and I, I do feel, I, I do feel like, especially if by mid season Baker Mayfield is the quarterback Landry could be one of those guys. That's a value that maybe you want to target. If, if he does come out of the gate slow, then he could be a buy, an interesting buy low guy. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it's going to depend on on some of that. Of course, Duke Johnson is going to take a, away some of those targets, and then yeah. on the other side, they've there's a lot of buzz right now. Training camp, a lot of buzz on a lot of guys. But David Njoku, who had an okay rookie year, but as we said about most tight ends, rookie seasons are often challenging. Uh, do you expect bigger things for Njoku coming into his second year? And do you think he can be the kind of guy who does well in the red zone and, and puts up some decent numbers for your fantasy team? 
Yeah, you know, it's hard to say because Taylor and Clay really weren't a combination that was highlighted very well. Uh, so if you translate that over to Cleveland, then how well is Njoku going to do? He definitely has the skills. Oh, my goodness, that guy is, a, is an amazing athlete and would be great down in the red zone if, if they can make that connection. And being in a second year, I think you're just going to see more of it. It's going to be riding on Taylor on whether or not he can make that connection. Now, Taylor's not going to obviously be the quarterback there for the, you know next year. That's going to be Mayfield. So if you're banking on this year, eh, I'd take that with, with some tentativeness. But if you're looking into the future, oh, yeah, I think he, he's going to have a great future and totally, totally would be about Nujoku uh, when, when that time appears for itself to draft someone like him. I wouldn't have any problems at all pulling the trigger. Buccaneers have a list of their own problems as well, and Jameis Winston being out the first couple of games is certainly one of those problems. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick going to man the quarterback position while he is out. That's already been confirmed. Uh, of course, we've talked pretty good, pretty well at length about Mike Evans. Um, to be honest, behind him in the wide receiver position, the only guy I really want to mention is Chris Godwin. Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys, Justin Watts, I don't think any of those guys necessarily create a lot of value for your team. I can see Deshaun Jackson maybe in a best ball format being worth something. But, uh, but Chris Godwin's interesting. There's a lot of Roddy White to his game, and I was a big fan of his when he was in Atlanta. Hopefully that can translate into some really good um, momentum with either Winston or Fitzpatrick, whoever ends up being the quarterback long-term for their team there. Um, but what are your thoughts on on any of those other wide receivers? And I'm pretty big on Godwin. I've, I've been trying to get him everywhere I can. Do you Are you optimistic about him as well? Yeah, I actually made a trade earlier uh, this year involving Godwin and brought him on my team. I, I like him. I, I think if, if the opportunity is presented itself, they, they have such a crowded – the uh, receiving core because you also have Cameron Bray and OJ Howard. So it's, it's going to be tough for him to get as many opportunities as you would like to see him, but I'm definitely high on, on Godwin. I think he's, he has some really tremendous skill. And as, as far as Deshaun Jackson, I think you pretty much covered it pretty well. I, I'm not big on him whether it's this year or down the line. I don't know how many years he has left on, on his schedule, but you were coming definitely close to the end of the line for him. So best ball would definitely be something that, yeah, I would say, okay, that's probably a better fit. So, yeah, I totally agree with you on, on all accounts. What about which one of these tight ends to have the most receptions, O.J. Howard or Cameron Bray? I think Cameron Bray, he did it last year. So I don't, and they brought him back and they spent, you know, some solid money on him. So it's going to be tough for them to stay away from him. I, I think they want Howard to develop a little bit more. I think they even signed saying break for like four years or some extreme amount of time, which was really surprising to me considering that they went early and got Howard. So I, I don't know if they just don't have much faith in Howard or 
they just really, really, really love love Cameron Brait. So just based on on how far they were willing to go, I'm going to go with Cameron Brait. So six year, forty one million dollar contract for Cameron Brait. <laughs> yeah, super surprising. And I, I don't know, there may be some offsets that cut it off in four years. Still, that's a long time. And like you said, between him and O.J. Howard, you definitely felt like you know, it felt like there was going to be a change in the guard here. Brait's 27 years old, so it's not like he's young. Um, kind of a surprising move, but I know they like Brait a lot. I know he's got a pretty good rapport with Winston. So, I mean, I'm like you. I think Brait probably does lead uh, as far as between him and O.J. Howard. He probably does have the better season. Uh, had almost 600 yards last year and six touchdowns. I must have just completely forgot this, but O.J. Howard also had six touchdowns last year. I did not remember him being that much of a red zone um, guy. But, yeah, he ended up with 400 yards of his own and six touchdowns. If you were to somehow combine these guys, man, you'd have a heck of a tight end, uh, maybe tight end one. But it just seems like they're going to take away from each other that in enough that I'd probably I'd probably just look elsewhere in terms of my starting tight end. I, I even for the future, even in dynasty leagues, I'm not sure I'm looking to acquire either one of these guys. And I th- I think Howard had more long distance touchdowns uh than than Bray. I think Bray was definitely their red zone guy if I remember correctly. Uh so even we were talking earlier about touchdowns and how it's so hard to dissolve. Well, if a lot of your tight end touchdowns come from 20 yards out, then you're, you're more than likely going to see a deduction in, in that area. Yep. I'm with you. So, um, finally out of the bees, man, I just realized how many B name, um, NFL teams there are, but on the <laughs> Cardinals and the Cardinals, New system, lots of talk. We had speculated Josh Rosen may get the first snap in the first game. Obviously, still could happen for being named the starter, at least for now. So, you've got a guy who has continued to hang on to starting quarterback positions in a lot of different cities. A lot of people still enamored with the former number one overall pick. So, he's going to have an interesting set of weapons, at least. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald, who we talked about, and – After Larry Fitzgerald, J.J. Nelson, Christian Kirk, Bryce Butler, Chad Williams, the only guy that really jumps out at me as far as wide receivers is Christian Kirk. Although I do expect any of these guys at best is going to be the third target. I I think obviously Fitzgerald being number one, David Johnson number two. Do you expect any of these wide receivers to be the third target after them? If they are, it's not going to be much, just because it's not that kind of offense. You're you're definitely in a running offense with David Johnson. So, yeah, if you're because we're dynasty, we're talking dynasty. You have to, you you definitely have to draft Christian Kirk if, if you know he's your guy kind of thing. Um, you definitely can't just excuse him off the board. So, but it's going to be a couple of years before Christian Kirk is anything more than relevant. Um, he's probably going to take over Larry Fitzgerald's position when, once he retires. So 
you're looking at maybe two years out before Christian Kirk can even become relevant. If he's any good at all, you know, we, we never know until they put in the time. So yeah, to answer your question, no way. I, there's just not enough passing room for anybody outside of Fitzgerald Johnson to make, you know, a very good splash. A guy that could be the third target and actually could provide a little bit of value is Ricky Seals Jones. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a little higher on this guy than most people. Again, he's going into his second year. Jermaine Gresham's there as well, but Ricky Seals Jones is not even really necessarily a tight end. I expect Gresham to, to handle that role, but I, I can certainly see, as you were talking about earlier with the Broncos, Seals Jones being that guy that splits out wide and acts more as a wide receiver. So, He's a guy that I could I can see him being the the third target on the team and and putting up decent numbers for a tight end. What do you think? Yeah, you know I, I think I think he definitely has an opportunity to do that, especially if you're looking at just the tight end position alone. Uh, he did well. He came in and I think the last was four or five games he put up some good numbers. So it, it, you could always separate sort of the tight end with the receivers just because. Not only is it a different position, but they do different things. So they stretch the field. The receivers will stretch the field while the tight end will go into the zone. And I, I really see, especially Josh Rosen, if he's going to be the starting quarterback after, say, week four, or if he starts the season as a quarterback, he's going to be needing a security blanket outside of David, David Johnson. And Seals Jones is is pretty good tight ends are usually one of those security blankets. So I can definitely see Seals Jones leading, not leading the receivers, but being uh, second or third on that team with receptions. uh, Yeah, easily. Yeah, it's definitely something interesting to watch and, you know, kind of came out of nowhere last year and I'll be excited to see how that works. Obviously, you know, this is a new system for these quarterbacks, new quarterbacks. Um, but I, Larry Fitzgerald's going to have 115 catches this year, I would guess, <laughs> just looking at this at first glance. So um, certainly expect a lot of big things out, out of him. Next on the list, we got the Chargers. Um, I did see that some breaking news that Tyrell Williams was looking like he was hurt on the field today. So hopefully he's okay. Oh. More information on that when, yeah, when when it's available. But. Um, Kind of same old, same old here with the Chargers, man. Phillip Rivers just bet, very consistent, veteran quarterback. You know he's going to throw the ball to Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's going to rack up points. We talked about him. Uh, really interesting guy behind him. Of course, I do like Tyrell Williams, but also maybe talk about Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin. And uh, then we'll get over to not, not a whole lot to see at the tight end position, but we'll get to that here. But you excited about Mike Williams? I'm really interested to see what the second-year receiver can do uh, now with some familiarity in that system. I'm not a big Mike Williams fan, to be honest with you. I really thought that, that when the Chargers drafted him, it was not a very good selection. He's, he's, his route running and his, his speed, um, I, I just don't know too much about. And – Last year, he didn't perform very well. I think he was injured as well. Um, Now, it's too early to give up on the guy, but I really put him in the same grouping as Laquan Laquan Treadwell. Uh, And I'd I'd void him. I'd go some different direction because 
he's going to cost you more than than what he's worth, in my opinion. Wow, strong take. I um, I mean, I, I'm definitely going to be watching to, watching to see that if there is an injury to Tyrell Williams, it could open the door for a good bit of targets, and we'll be interested to see if he can do anything with that. Certainly, he's in a system that seems like he could. Not a lot of competition for targets outside of that. Obviously, Melvin Gordon's going to get some. And a tight end position, Virgil Green is apparently still in the NFL, uh, sitting yeah. atop of their tight end depth chart right now. Obviously, the injury to Hunter Henry still hurts me. That was yeah. that was my guy. I liked Hunter Henry a lot. But, you know, they're talking about bringing Antonio Gates back in. Um, Sean Culkin, Braden Bowman. Cole Hunt, Ben Johnson. I've never heard of most of these guys. Is there anything to see at the tight end position for the Chargers? No, 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 not out. You know, now that Henry's out um, for this season, no way. Just ride that injury as best as you can for next year, and you know, just be glad that you have him, and you know, just take advantage next year because I think he's really going to be back. Uh, back stronger than ever so yeah it's just a disappointing situation but as far as opportunity at tight end there's there's nothing oh um speaking of we were talking earlier about uh Richard Sherman getting burned by Godwin um or yeah. Goodwin I should say uh I guess Pierre Garçon got jealous and took advantage of his situation with Richard Sherman <laughs> and burned him so I I think Richard Sherman might have lost more than just a step. I think he he's lost two. Yeah, maybe. You know, I, that's why I was curious if it was just okay. Is this just Marquise Goodwin is that fast? Or yeah, if Pierre Garcon is putting him on skates too, then there may be something to worry about. And honestly, for fantasy, that might not be a bad thing. So it'd be really interesting to see how that works out, and uh, could be a lot of shootouts. So I kind of like that. But yeah. Uh, how about the Chiefs? So, new quarterback under center, Patrick Mahomes. We talked a lot about him the other day. Um, Tyree Kill, he's going to produce. No doubt about that. Travis Kelsey, we've talked about, we, we haven't spent much time talking about him yet, but we know what Travis Kelsey is. He's going to be the number one, number two tight end this, this year, probably, certainly in terms of targets, depending on what Rob, Rob Gronkowski does. Uh, but, man, there's a guy here that, a lot of people are really high on moving up their boards, and I can see it, but Sammy Watkins continues to go at a place where where I would love to be able to take him. I like Sammy Watkins, but I don't know. Talk me into why is Sammy Watkins going as early as he is. Let me look up the ADP right now, but Sammy Watkins, do you are, are you a big fan of his this year? Do you think you think a lot of him? It's hard. I – I think it's it's so interesting to see both Watkins and Tyreek Hill on the same team because you're looking at two receivers with the same skill set that's post and corner routes. And, you know, obviously Mahomes has got the count of the arm and is able to connect on that with, without any issues. So, but I just see a total cannibalized situation. I, I'd rather go with Watkins over Hill because I think Watkins is going, I don't know exactly where, but I'm I'm assuming he's going farther down the draft than Tyreek Hill is. And 
With that said, I'd rather go with the cheaper player that's going to probably produce just as amount of stats as the guy going a lot earlier. So, or who knows, maybe Watkins, Tyree kills the decoy and Watkins blows it up. I I don't see Watkins being the decoy at all in in that situation. So I'm, I'm about Watkins just because of his, the fact that Mahomes is going to definitely be throwing that ball deep and the price range and also the fact that I think Tyree Kill is going to be more of the decoy than Watkins will. So I'm I'm pretty big on Watkins this year. He's going to the back end of the sixth round in, in 12-team leagues right now. And, you know, I, which I, I think that's probably fair. I guess when I'm, when I'm in drafts and I see guys like Corey Davis going about that same point, you know, to me, like Corey Davis represents – um, represents a little bit more of an upside because, like you said, yeah. I do think Sammy Watkins is a little bit of a, a little bit of a, of a replicate of Tyree Kill. So I, I'm curious how they're going to use those guys differently. Um, at best, he's third on their team in targets. It wouldn't be surprising to see Kareem Hunt have more targets than him. So then maybe he's fourth. I don't know. I mean, like I, I definitely I love his talent. I've been pulling for him since since he was in Buffalo, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little little skeptical at the price when I can have someone like Corey Davis. Um, you know, some of these other guys around him. You know, I, I can see taking him over Will Fuller, depending yeah. on how my team is set up. Marshawn Marshawn Lynch, Chris Hogan, Marlon Mack, some of those guys. Yeah, I can see the upside there, but. It just is going to depend on my team construction at that point, I think. So, well, if if Corey Davis and Watkins are you're deciding between one or the other, I agree with you. I think Corey Davis would be my choice, without any really even second thought about it. Just because you're going to see Tyree Kill and and Sammy Watkins just you know eat the they're they're going to cannibalize each other. It's just no other way about it, or they're going to just run downfield. One's going to run a corner, one's going to run a post, and leave that whole zone open for Travis Kelsey and Cream Hunt. So either way, it, it's they're going to be both either um, both taking production away from each other, or they're going to be opening the field for the other players. So with Corey Davis, you you, you have the leading probably the leading receiver on the team and someone, as you mentioned, with a high upside. Yeah. I'm with you. So is there anything we really haven't said about the Colts at this point? I mean, I feel like we've covered them pretty well. Um, Obviously, T.Y. Hilton, Ebron, Doyle, we're drafting those guys. We expect for Naheem Hines to have a pretty good role in the passing game as well. It's Andrew Lux under center. Um, Any reason to roster Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, Reese Fountain, Deion Kane? I know you're Highland Fountain. Are you rostering him in the in a deep dynasty league? Yes, I'm. I'm rostering both Kane and and Fountain. Okay. Good. I um I look forward. Those are two guys I definitely want to watch them. A lot based on what you've said, but I'm interested in watching them over the over the preseason here. So another team, major changes. Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, they get rid of two very big targets 
um, Jason Witten, Des Bryant. They bring in Alan Hearns. They draft Michael Gallup. They trade for Tavon Austin. They still have Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley. Um, what do you think about that wide receiver group? And I guess my expectation is Alan Hearns would be their top target getter. Do you see it the same way? I actually think that Gallup is going to be the leading receiver in that team this year. Nice. Uh, and, yeah, I just don't – I just don't – I think Hearns is going to be the name. So, they're, you're going to see defensive – alignment more on his side and Gallup is going to get the one-on-one and just he's not he's not the crispiest route runner kind of guy and he's you know but he has good hands and his speed is a little bit lacking of desire but with his hands and his route and his solid route running um, it could be better and I think it will be better you're looking at someone that that on man-on-man coverage is going to take advantage of it, and so I, I take Gallup over Hearns any day of the week. I saw reports of the Cowboys wanting to get the ball into Tavon Austin's hands a lot. Do you think there's anything left with Tavon Austin, or is this just coach speak and ignore it and move on? You know, with Austin, it, it depends on how. Obviously, you want to get the ball into his, his hands. He, he, it's not like he's lacking the talent that that got him drafted. I think at the, with the seventh pick of the of the first round. So they, he, he's just not uh, a person, you know, that is a leading receiver. He's not someone that you could just say, okay, you go play wide receiver and dominate. He he has to be moved around. He has to. He's a gadget guy, and if they can get the ball into his hands, which is so much more difficult than, than said, then yeah, he, I think he, he's going to bring a lot to the table, but the Rams drafted him for that reason. And they could never figure out what to do with him. And when they did have opportunities, he took advantage of them, but there were just so, so few and far between that he just ran out of, ran out of time with them and they just moved on. So it's it's hard to say with these kind of gadget players how how well they're going to do just because so much is is game planning. But if they can do that, and they're not you know they don't they don't have to force feed Des Bryant the ball because Des Bryant is demanding the ball, or they don't have to force feed Jason Witten the ball because Jason Witten deserves to be fed the ball. Um, it's wide open for them. So who knows? It could it could definitely lead itself that way. Um, I, you know, I, I take a chance in a deep, deep fantasy league on him, but we'll see. Uh, Jeff Swain, Blake, Jarwin, Dalton Schultz. I know the name Rico gathers. Um, do you think there's anything to see here at tight end or is this just a barren wasteland that you don't expect to see very much production from this year? Hey Mike, sorry about that. Um, there, there's really no no names that jump off the board to me with those with those names. So I would I wouldn't pay much attention to it. Maybe look during the preseason and see if they're even going to the tight end and who are they going to, and sort of make a mental note on that. And when 
the season starts and it looks like they're going to that position, then maybe grab them off the waiver board, uh, use some of your fab budget and, and get one of them. But as far as right now, I, I, I can't recommend it drafting any of them. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, now, the Dolphins, when you lose a guy like Jarvis Landry, you're losing 130, 140 targets. Um, there's a, a lot of production to go around when you take him off the team. Bring Ryan Tannehill back in. Devontae Parker sits on top of their wide receiver depth chart right now, but I have heard just a lot of seemingly negative things at a time where it seems like almost everything is always positive. It seems like there's been a lot of negative reports on Devontae Parker. Uh, Kenny Stills is still there. They go out and they add someone who, if he can stay healthy, could see a lot of those targets running from similar routes and Danny Amendola. Um, there's Albert Wilson. There's Joaquin Grant. This is a really interesting group of wide receivers that's really difficult to know how everything's going to shake out. What are your thoughts on, on these guys and how are you valuing them in fantasy? <laughs> I honestly don't like any of them. Um, Devontae Parker maybe have the best upside to him, but what has he done The even – consider any kind of upside with him I, it's it's a barren wasteland to me i yeah i I'd, I'd have to pass on on all of them what what, what are your thoughts do you, do you see any value that maybe i'm just being um, biased against or or do you feel the same way i think if i've got Devontae parker anywhere in dynasty i am looking to sell him as fast as i can you know yeah. i I, I wouldn't hesitate to trade him for if you could get Cooper Cup for him, maybe just on his name value. That would be to me that would be a really good deal. I would take that in a heartbeat. Um, I mean, I guess if I wanted to take a lottery ticket on who I thought might overproduce, what you would pay for him is Kenny Stills. You know, he's the kind of guy that did have a, a better season than most people. Realized last year, I think he's the kind of guy who could develop a good rapport. He always seemed to have a really good rapport um, with Ryan Tannehill. And uh, obviously he didn't play with Ryan Tannehill last year, but he had 847 yards and six touchdowns. Really not a bad really not a bad year. I can see him doing something similar. Is that going to be a guy that you're comfortable starting every week? Definitely not. But if you start four wide receivers, maybe I could see – putting him in there or using him as a flex sometimes by week fill in. Uh, I just don't have a, I guess I don't have a lot of faith in this offense as a whole. And even when you go to the tight ends, I like Mark Gusecki long-term to see long-term and maybe because of the struggles at wide receiver, he gets a little bit more opportunities, a little bit more targets. Um, a lot of people think he could be kind of the next big thing, a tight end. Uh, I know you watch a lot of these rookies. What do you think about Gusecki? <laughs> It, it, hmm. I'm going to have to pass on that question. Um, <laughs> this is whole me, offense. Me, just don't draft Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. You know, it. it I just, you know, don't. Gasecki, yeah, maybe because he's a rookie and he just want to find out. I, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce his name. That's how much I'm not even looking at Miami Dolphins. Um, yeah, I want to apologize to the parents of any player I mentioned because I I just murder these names. Like I'm really sorry. <laughs> like it is, 
I'm not good at this. It, yeah, well, with with Gusecki or whatever his name is, it's just one of those that you're just like, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think if any of them, I think you you really have to to just look at him. Uh, he's definitely someone that that is in top top rated as far as dynasty rookies at the tight end position. But outside that, I'm not I'm not happy about any of them. Yeah, moving on to a much better team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's whether Wentz is the quarterback or it's Foles. Looks like some positive signs for Carson Wentz, avoiding the pup list. At least means they expect him to be back in the first few games. Still a little bit of doubt on if he starts the first game. Uh, could be Nick Foles, but I'm not sure it matters much. Nick Foles proved that he can step in and fill that role admirably. So I think his wide receivers and tight ends probably – don't miss a beat regardless of who the quarterback is. Um, Jeffrey on the pup list, though, does bother me a little bit. I think he's a guy that I'm just way down on. I, and we talked a little bit about him a few weeks ago. But after him, Nelson Aguilar came on strong last year. Certainly expect for him to continue to do well. Mike Wallace is an upgrade over Torrey Smith, at least. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a little bit of noise. Uh, best ball league, that's not a bad last round type of a pick as far as I'm concerned. Um, of course, old reliable Zach Ertz. I expect him to be pretty high in the target list. And another rookie tight end, Dallas. Oh, man, why do these guys have such terrible last names, man? They're not terrible. It's hard to pronounce. <laughs> Dallas. Yeah. Godert. Godert. Oh, Godert, Godert. yeah. Godert. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, he's another uh, interesting one. Yeah, out of those guys, what do you think? What are, you, what are your expectations out of this uh, pass receiving group? Well, as you mentioned, Goder, he's he's up there with Gesicki or whatever Gesicki. Um, they're both highly highly rated as far as rookie tight ends. So obviously, you can't pass up on one. Uh, obviously, you also have Zach Ertz there too. So how much how much is Goder actually going to be a factor in that offense. I would say at at the height he's going to put up what Trey Burton put up last year. Uh, I don't know how much Nelson Aguilar was sort of after two years of unproduction comes in and produces pretty well. If that was a fluke or not, it's kind of like okay, well, what happened to you two years ago? Now all of a sudden you you performed. Does that mean you're going to still perform? And I'm I'm okay with with thinking because he 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 really came out of college. He was someone that wasn't drafted in the sixth round or you know a flyby kind of guy. He you know they drafted him based on how well his skill set was. It wasn't a, a dart throw by any means. So I'm 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 not as comfortable. It's almost like going into someone's house for the first time, the, a friend's house for the first time. You're, like, comfortable because you know the people, but you're still like, okay, can I sit in this chair? Can I not sit in this chair? So it's it's that little uncomfortability <laughs> that I feel about about um, Nelson Aguilar. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable about what you can do, but I'm not totally relaxed about this situation yet. And I think Alshon Jeffrey is going to do what Alshon Jeffrey does is mediocre wide receiver stuff. I am trying so hard to sell Alshon Jeffrey in a league right now where I've, I've got him. And 
I I just cannot find anyone to buy on him at all. I offered after I was trying to get Cooper Cup and Eric Ebron a few weeks a couple weeks ago before even they got you know Ebron hype and couldn't get that done. Uh, I'm struggling, struggling trying to get rid of him. What are what are some offers that you think somebody would take that I could I could trade for, trade him for? Yeah. Who would you target? I, I, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, there's some people that are very excited about about him, just because his name his name brings I think more value than his skill set does. Uh, so it's it's difficult I need to, to find say. Those people. Yeah, exactly. You know that that way you can get some good uh, you know some good value off of him. Um, yeah, the lowest I probably would would go for him. Um, Guys, I don't even know if, if people are going to trade Cooper Cup for him, you know, or uh, Brandon Cook. Right. You know, it, it, it's it's really it's a really interesting situation for him because he's sort of like in that gray area where I think his name brings brings more value than what he's going to produce, but you you also don't want to get too low for him. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, man, that puts us pretty close to our uh, time limit here. And uh, obviously we had, um, we were a little bit too, um, I don't know, like maybe our eyes a little bit too, too big for our stomachs here on what we could actually get through. I think we got through 14 teams. So still wow. some pretty good information. Glad we got a chance to, to get through that, but still a lot, long way to go. Um, and uh, I guess we can try to pick that up back up next week we really will basically have one more week where there's going to be some football to talk about but not a ton of football to talk about hall of fame game doesn't produce a ton um of information for us so but we'll have a chance to talk about that that'll be really exciting to actually have football back in our lives and i'm sure there will be some more news and um we'll have a chance to talk about that next week but as always really informative and Gave me a really good chance to go. I'm going to see if I can sell Alshon Jeffrey between now and next time we talk. Yeah, and if you do, let me know because I think that would be a great talking point. Yeah, we'll do. So, Well, Mike, I'm really always excited to have a chance to talk to you. Um, you are at RFL Red Zone on Twitter and at DinoCast Cal on Twitter. We'd love to have a chance to talk to you guys as well. And uh, hit us up with some trades, or if you got some ideas on what I can do without Sean Jeffrey, let me know. I'll, I'm taking all the help I can get. Thank you, Cal, for, for coming along. I really appreciate it. Um, definitely enjoy your insight, and um, everybody out there, we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks, Have Mike. a good week, everyone. You too, okay. sir. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.